0: We're going to be looking in the book of Mark today. So, if you could stand to your feet, we'll read together. As you're standing, Mark is the ESPN sports center of the Gospels. And so, it is action packed and it is passionate and it is high points and he goes hard. And so, read it that way. No, just kidding. Just read it together. Just read it together. <laughs> Are you ready? Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are looking. You are my brother, my brothers, yes. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother and my sister and mother. This is God's word to us Father, help us today. To catch your dream for family in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. My goal today is to talk about God's dream for family. And to highlight how there is both a family that we're born into, and then there's a family that we're brought into in Jesus' The family that we're born into, we clearly would have very little control over. And then the family that we're brought into is something of, of, a, of a partnership between God drawing us in and us cooperating by walking into that family by faith. And so what I want to do is first is I want to, um, I want to, go, uh, I want to acknowledge that the, our passage of Scripture in Mark 3.31 started with the word and. And anytime time we, we open up a passage that starts with the word and, or if you're having a quiet time and you open the Bible and you see a word, but, or you, you jump in, it's but, or and, you, you need to figure out what was going on ahead of time so you can figure out what you're reading and why it matters that it's there. And so if you see the word therefore, you need to ask, what's it there for, right? Those kind of kind of things, as we read the Bible, we need to engage it with our mind. We need to engage it intellectually, we engage it spiritually, we engage it soulfully, And so this passage starts with the word and. And so I just want to bring you up to speed on the context real quick because they weren't just showing up kind of out of the blue and unannounced and for no reason. Jesus was growing in popularity. He was growing in fame uh, across the city, and crowds are rushing to him. Uh, earlier in the in the passages, you see that the crowds were pressing in so hard because they because they wanted him to be healed, and and so he's like, "You guys have to remove me from this. Go get a boat because because this is this is crazy. We gotta get some we gotta get some alone time, right? He's got a little bit of introvert in him. He's like he's like we gotta just take some time and process this, right, disciples? And they're like, okay. And so the people are coming, Uh, side note, everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be successful. And as Jesus is growing in fame and success, you see that everybody with all these diseases are the ones who are pressing into him and crushing him are the ones that need help. And so if we have a dream for success, we also need to have a dream to care for the people that come with our success. Or we're being short-sighted. So Jesus knew these things were coming. He knew these, these things were pressing in on him and they were coming for him. And so he, we, we got to remove ourselves from this for a moment. And his ministry would be a cycle of kind of stepping in and ministering to the crowd and then pulling back and teaching his disciples. So God values, Christ values the crowd. But he also values those who intimately follow him. And he teaches something special for those who draw close to him Intimately. And so what, they, what you see is that Jesus' mom is, is seeing that Jesus is like willing to give himself for these people. And she's like, Jesus, is he's going to kill himself working so hard. Little did she know, right? Little did she know he was really going to allow himself to be killed. For us, because of his love for us. But she knew that he loved him so, she loved these people so much that he would go without eating. He would go without drinking. He would, he would give of himself and give of himself and give of himself like every good mom. She was gonna make sure that her boy ate a sandwich and put on a coat. Cause she had to take care of him in a hat. And so she was coming to make Jesus eat a sandwich. Not a sandwich, it's a sandwich. When you have to eat it, it's a sandwich. And that's where we pick up. His mother and his brothers came. Now this word brother, uh, do with it what you want. They didn't have a word for cousin. And so everything in this family at that time, if you were a brother or a sister or a cousin, you were the same. They used the same, the same word. It was a brother. And so we don't know if these were his half brothers or if they were his cousins. The bottom line is they held family in such respect and at such high level that it didn't matter to them where that line was there was no difference between the love that they would have for their cousin than there would be for the love that they have for their biological sibling. You tracking? Yes. We're going to talk about the value of that family um, by, by highlighting that, that Jesus, uh, God has always valued family. Family is the means by which God decided that he was going to establish his image on the planet through Adam and Eve. And so he's like, I'm using this family model. I'm going all in on family. Family's my plan A. I'm going with Adam and Eve. And they're going to take my image across the whole face of the earth. And the dominion of my love and my grace and my power and my goodness is going to be known across all of creation for all of time. That was his plan. And then then that didn't work out real well, but he stuck to family. And you see that Noah and his family... Build an ark and, and God rescues them through this ark and he establishes humanity again through a family. Yeah. And then we see that Abraham, that the nations are going to be blessed by what? His family. family. And so we see that God is obsessed with this idea of family. God Himself exists. Uh, Mender said it as the Trinity. He lives in complete unity with Himself at all times, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in perfect unity together. And I think that part of the reason He gave us family is so that we could experience a little bit of the joy of the unity that comes in that intimacy. Yes. So He's passionate about family. So we see Adam and Eve, and Noah, and Abraham and Sarah, and then we see, and then we see Isaac and Rebecca. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. Isaac and Rebecca. She just wanted to have a baby. And they had one baby in mind, maybe some grandbabies in mind, but God had nations in mind. Yeah. And so when we think when we think about a person, God's thinking about a people. When we think about a baby, God's thinking about generations. And then we see that uh, when God himself chose to enter his own creation, when Jesus decided, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to establish what I look like in the flesh for my people, he chose to come through a... Oh JC, you're the only one. When God wanted to establish himself for us about what God looks like in the flesh, he decided to do so through family. So how do you think that God would want to do it today through us? Maybe through family. family. God this thing about Adam about Joseph and Mary blows my mind. Because if I was God and I could establish Who I am and how I am to to all of creation. I'm probably not coming as a baby to a young mama and to a carpenter. But he chose to come through family. He chose to come through ordinary family at that. Through ordinary family, the glory of God was made known to all the earth. For all of history through all of creation, would would look back and see that it was through family that God decided to bless the earth. And that, to me, is extraordinary. This value of family was held very closely by the Jewish people and by the Hebrew culture. And family was something that was held very, very high. In fact, that's that's why it was such a big deal that Sarah and Rebecca and Elizabeth and others were barren. It's because we exist to have family. And so if you don't have family, something's wrong, something's awry, something's amiss. Yeah. And there was something about family that they knew God loved, and they knew, like two and a half of the commandments are about family. Yeah. You've got, you've got, um, i got honor your mother and father, and that comes with the promise that it'll be well for you, and then, and then you've got the, uh, don't commit adultery, that deals with family. It's like cherish the wife that you have, and the half commandment, I guess, um, thinking quickly but the half commandment is the not coveting your neighbor's wife and i only say half because that's valuing somebody else's family and it's kind of the same thing as not committing adultery because if it's your neighbor's wife if you covet your neighbor's wife it's going to lead to adultery he's dealing with your heart issue dealing with other people's family so now not only do you value your own spouse but you value the spouse of other people side note while i'm just like on this tangent say like if you're if you're dating someone and they're not yet your spouse they could be somebody else's spouse so just tread easy just just tread easy. If you're dating somebody and they're not yet their spouse, tread easy because it could be somebody else's spouse. You want to make it even weirder? It could be somebody else's spouse who's here in the church. Oh, We'll just, we'll just move on. Family's important. <laughs> Family's important. Um, when families live that well, it is a primary means of the demonstration of the love, the compassion, the care, the provision, and the protection of God. It is a primary means of us understanding the heart of God towards us when family is functioning well. Family is the primary and the starting place for all of discipleship to happen. Discipleship isn't something where we look outside and we're like, oh, I must go and make all these other disciples out there. Hark. <laughs> Sterling calls. Your little baby crying in the middle of the night. That's, that's discipleship crying out. This is your baby crying out? Disciple me, daddy. Go to sleep. <laughs> i teach you how to sleep right now. This is what, this is what we're going to learn right now. We're going to learn some respect. <laughs> Discipleship starts in the home. It starts right at home. In the home, we say, this is how we interact with disappointment. This is how we respond to pain. This is how we respond to disappointment. This is how we celebrate with one another. This is how we mourn with one another. This is how we fight for one another. This is how we fight with one another. This is how you reconcile with one another. You track it? That all starts at home. And so, so if you want to start practicing these, these like discipleship and evangelism, start in your home. Start that awkward phone that, that awkward conversation in the car on the way home. You ever know not quite what to say as you're leaving church? So it's like, oh, hey, what are we gonna eat, <laughs> right? We're never gonna reach the nations if we can't talk to the people who went to church with us about what happened in church. Yes. And so let's start practicing that on the drive home and just be like, hey, what'd you think? What'd you learn? What, like that was weird. Not talk about. There's plenty of time for that later. But let's talk about what went well at church. <laughs> Right? That illustration didn't work. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what did work. What did you learn? What did the Holy Spirit say to you? I love hearing what Megan hears from the Holy Spirit while I'm ministering. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes it's like, wow, I didn't say any of those things. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was really speaking to you. You know, and, you know, she, <laughs> she like, really, God, confirmed these things. That is fantastic. Uh, any comments on my sermon? <laughs> <laughs> help me. Uh, just, a, just a side note. This doesn't. It, it, it just don't give your best to the. Don't give your all to the world. Definitely give give it your give it your attention. Give it your full. Don't 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 halfway it at work. Halfway it. You guys thought something else. Don't not me. Don't halfway it at work. But but give your all to your family. Give it all to them. Give them your creativity. I'm challenged. Uh, There was a time where I was making lots and lots of videos uh, as a part of my job. And I was like, why am I making all, I'm using up all my creativity. So by the time I get home, I don't even want to play with Play-Doh. Right? And it was like, wait a second, I'm creative. And somebody actually helped me. They were like, hey, you're really creative. Your family must really, your family must really get a kick out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They really enjoy the videos I make for work. I was like, oh, maybe I should use this creativity in our home. Yeah. Maybe I should use the strengths that I have to advance my career, to advance my family. Yeah. So we made some fun family movies and we acted it out, and had scenes and edited it and did the whole nine. And it was, it was a lot of fun. But if you have skills and talents, use those skills and talents to build your family. Yes. They're not just for the advancement of your career, to get the paycheck. Maybe even better than the paycheck is something that you can invest in your family might be feeling like, well, that, that's great, but my family's messed up, <laughs> M-E-S-T, messed. It is messed up. And you're like, family as a value is ridiculous. That's like having a value of stumped toes or like, or like having a value of a splinter in your, in your thumb. You know, it's like, no thanks, I'll pass. Because the idea of family as a value is painful for you. Because of how you grew up, and what I want to say is that that what if, if that's the the feeling that that stirs in your heart as you consider family, I want to let you know that it is it is not it is not representative of what family should be. What you have instead of a I, I talked about this a few weeks ago instead of a, a signpost for God, what you have is a broken signpost for God. And the pain that was caused by your family is also an indicator that there's a better, a true and better family that God has for you. There's a true and better uh, desire that God has for you in family that he wants to establish in himself. Now, he didn't make a mistake when he gave you your broken signpost family. He didn't make a mistake. I know it feels like it. You might even walk out of it thinking that you were the mistake. But that's not the case. I've said before, but I think it bears saying again that for some people, their trial is their comfort. And for other people, their trial is their pain. In all cases, we ought to run to Jesus. Comfort should point us to Christ and our pain should point us to Christ and what it is that he desires to do and what he desires to establish in our hearts and mind and lives through him. you know uh, you know as i talk about talk about um brokenness you know it's there's nothing like being together that helps us know and understand our own brokenness a little bit better isn't it like you you come together and i felt i felt like i was like the fasting champion of the world when i was single <laughs> because when i didn't want to talk to anybody i just went to sleep and so i felt like man i can fast all the time i'm like a super christian And, and I'm like so spiritual and it wasn't until I was, I was married and now I couldn't just come home and go to sleep. I had to interact with someone. I was like, Oh, I'm not as quite as spiritual as I thought I was. (laughs) And God uses family to show you what's on the inside. And so, and, and so, so we can know what's on the inside so that he can remove it and set something better in its place, but we'll never be aware of it if we stay at a distance. And so it's knowing all of this, knowing the importance of family and everything else. That's the context that they knew when they came. Jesus, uh, Jesus's mother and his brothers, when they came up to the house, they knew that that was the case. I want to, I want to, I want to, something that's stuck out to me in a significant way. I don't know how the slides are working today. So, cause this isn't working. So I think there's this one. Yeah. Um, so standing outside, they sent to him. Now, our biological families, the families we're born into, have special access into our lives, and we have special access into their lives as well. You belong to me. I belong to you. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Mom. And you're welcome. (laughs) Right? I belong to them, and they belong to me. And knowing that they have that access, they're still standing outside. And many of us have an access available to us, but we're still standing on the outside. Not just as it relates to family and our biological family, but as it it relates to Jesus. We have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ, and yet we we stand on the outside and we send others to speak on our behalf. When we could go up and we could talk to Him ourselves when we can go and expose our hearts to Him and share our feelings with Him and share our brokenness with Him and share our joys and our and our pains with Him, we could walk up and share these things with Him, and yet sometimes we choose to stay on the outside and send others to go speak on our behalf. I want to call you out of that today and call you into intimacy with Jesus Christ. Pastor Jim LaFoon said recently that access is free, intimacy is a choice, The access that we have to Jesus is absolutely free. was purchased for us on the cross and through his resurrection. But the intimacy that we have with him, oh, that's a choice that we have to make. We have access to speak to him on the drive home and tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, tomorrow afternoon. In rush hour traffic, you have access to be able to speak to him and he'll hear you and he'll speak to you. The only question is whether or not you're going to take Take advantage of that access and cultivate intimacy. Intimacy uh, with Jesus and also in any relationship that you're in is often spelled T I M E. Intimacy. T I M E. Are you giving time to Jesus or to one another necessary for the intimacy? If intimacy is eluding, you then maybe it's, it's time to, to lean in and to give it, and to give it time, to confront those feelings of, of, of inadequacy or, or a sense that you might be rejected. And so they send in this message, and, and they get this message to Jesus, and they're like, "Hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside, and uh, they've got sandwiches, and your mom has a hat in her hand, and she looks mad. And and because mamas are always mamas forever, right? And mamas always have a special place in their son's heart. And then and then Jesus hits the Zach Morris pause button, like it's and time stops. You guys know Zach Morris? No? Maybe very narrow demographic. Um, maybe not uh, Mr. Rogers. And he stops and looks at the camera, and he's like, "Hey friends, hey neighbor, right?" And, and so, so every, everything's happening. They're like, hey, Jesus, your mom's up front. Your brothers are there. What do you want to do? And they're like, I know they're really important and they belong to you. And we're just kind of the friends. We're just your posse. They're your family because yeah. they understand the value of family also. And so everybody's like getting ready to get out the way and let Jesus, his mama, and let his brothers do their thing because they're family. And Jesus hits the pause button and he says, who are my mother and brothers? Who is my brother or mother? The music stopped. The keyboardist who was playing at the, you know, in the background just stopped. Like, the birds stopped chirping. Everybody hit pause. And they're like, what did he just say? And he wasn't answering the question because he didn't know. He asked the question because he knew it would shock him. And so he fires off with, who are my mother and my brothers? Do you guys know something I don't? Because what he's about to do is he's about to give them the same kind of teaching he gave them about hatred and murder and, uh, and, and, and adultery. Yeah. In, in, the, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how if, it, if, you, if you even think of a person with malintent, if you call your brother useless, you've already murdered him. Yeah. Wow. Was he changing the description of what murder is or what is he trying to say, this is what I've always thought, I just need you to hear it with fresh ears. It wasn't just don't kill each other. It wasn't just don't slaughter one another. All along it was hold each other with value. And then he said, he said, you know, you talk about adultery. If a man looks at a woman with intent to lust, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. Was he redefining it or was he offering what he had always understood the definition to be and we were finally hearing it for the first time? So for murder and for for hatred and for adultery. And so he's redefining all of these things. and then And then he's like, I'm about to give you what my heart has been for family all along. I want to restore everything back to the way that it was supposed to be with Adam and Eve. I'm going to bring it back to center. I'm going to put family down. I'm going to call it important. And I want all of you to bear my image. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. Here's a more comprehensive definition. You want to know who my family is? It's for whoever. And with these words... Jesus tore down every language barrier, every color barrier. He tore down every socioeconomic barrier. He tore down every, every legal barrier. And he said, all people, every person who calls on my name, every person who follows me, every person who obeys me, every person who's about the work of the Father, which is about the work of Jesus, is my brother. Whoever, thank you for whoever clapped. You and me, we're gonna have some church. <laughs> whoever. Y'all, this is great news for us. This is great news for you. Amen. This, this whoever. This is where we fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Without this whoever, we don't worship here today. Yeah, without this whoever, we don't know one another in the cross of Jesus. We don't know each other in our saved state. We don't, we don't have one another the way we have one another without that whoever. You don't have Jesus without that whoever. Because up until that time there was a there was a chosen people that was distinct. God said I'm 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 letting you in on a secret. It's everyone who loves and obeys me. Yes. That's my family. For whoever I don't care what color you are, language you speak. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you did it with. If you find yourself now following me, if you find yourself now listening to me, obeying me, serving me and my purposes, God's saying, you're mine. Whoever does, does the will, I, I don't know if there's a slide for that, uh, does the will of God that is to draw near, to listen, and to obey, then you're going to be brought, brought near. And this is the family that we're brought into, and we're brought near to Jesus, not because we're working so hard and we're doing so much, but because he made a way for us to know him. And it's in this place that we're brought in. He says, go, go to the next slide. For whoever does the will of God, he is mine. He is my brother, sister, mother. He is mine. He's saying, if you do this, you belong to me. If you do this, you're my family. You want to know me. You want to walk with me. You want to be with me, follow me, obey me. And then he takes possession of us. He adopts us into his family. And he says, you belong to me. And what's really cool is you belong to him. Andrew, as you belong to him, and then, and then as I belong to him, if he's your brother, he's my brother. <laughs> pastor June is uh, the, the Korean pastor in our Chantilly location. He's just started the Korean speaking service. And I introduced him to my, to my kids as, as my older brother. And so I said, and to our youngest said, that's, that's Pastor June. He's daddy's big brother, which was confusing because he's shorter than me. And that's the part that was confusing to her. Not that he's Korean and I'm white. (laughs) she's like, you're wrong because you're bigger than him. (laughs) And it was like, okay, great. But he's older. And so, so he went up on stage at this, at, and, and, and Emma would, like in, you know, and during a worship set and he went up to sing because apparently that's a, every other pastor at Grace Covenant sings. Um, so, but <laughs> I mean, I sing too. I just don't want to stumble you. That's, we'll leave it at that. It's either really beautiful or really awful. But uh, so he gets up there and he's singing and my daughter, my daughter goes, daddy, It's your brother. It's your brother. It's your brother. And she was so excited to see Pastor June up there. She's like, It's your brother. I remember him. I recognize him. That's your brother, Daddy. I was like, That is my brother, baby. You're right. You're right. And I love that at this church, I get the privilege of having a family that doesn't look like me. It is awesome and confusing. And wonderful, and absolutely beautiful. And that's the value that we put on family. Now, look, we're still a family, and we're not a family that's perfect. We're a family that's being perfected. Yeah. We're just committed to doing it together. Yeah. We're committed to living this out and figuring out how to do this with one another. And and look, we do. We like we got older siblings and younger siblings we 've got we 've got crazy uncles in this family we do, and somebody 's going to say something crazy to you our, in our family, we have people who are Republicans and we have people who are Democrats and we have people who are libertarians and we have people who want the whole system just to get washed <laughs> washed out like washed away. We've got, like, we've got, we've got all sorts of family like that. We've got conspiracy theorists and we've got, we, like, this this is our, I'm just, can we be honest about what our family's like? Like, the thing that keeps us out, but also the thing that lets us come in? Because you're a little bit crazy. You just like your band of crazy. We all like our brand of crazy just a little bit more than we like everybody else's brand of crazy. (laughs) But it's not about whether or not I agree with you on every point. It's about whether or not we're going to follow Jesus together. Amen. It's about whether or not we're going to be about the work of God together. It's about whether or not we're going to allow us to allow him to transform us on the way as we go with one another. That's what makes us family. And so as as a church, we value family. We value the biological family and the foundations of that family. As a church, we value spiritual family. And, and, and we, we value those things together. It's not one is greater than the other. They're both God-ordained and really important. They're both very significant. And so if you find yourself trying to get to church every day of the week and hiding from your family, we'll call you on it. Why are you hiding from your family? Why, like, that's cool. I like that you're, I like that you want to serve, but go serve your family. Right? And then some of y'all are just so, like, you, you gotta, you gotta serve your spiritual family a little bit. It's time to step up and understand the value of this family. Yeah. It's like Sunday mornings. I mean, this is like, this is family dinner. Hey, you know, that, that, that meal, that time and dur- and during the week when you get to see everybody, when everybody gathers, you saw each other in the kitchen kind of passing through. You had each other. There was a moment in the driveway where everybody was running in different directions where you ran into each other. That's a small group. <laughs> but this is that family dinner where we get to talk and we're, we're going to have donuts for dinner. It's every kid's dream. This was your dream when you were a kid was to have donuts for dinner. Analogies only go so far, right? The only way this family works is if we're all looking to Jesus and if we choose to come in and to be intimate with him and to be intimate in his presence. So I want to, I want to challenge you this week. How can you value family this week in Jesus?